All right, 20 minutes from now, giving opportunity to win those Trans-Siberian Orchestra tickets. will be in town at Little Caesars Arena December 23rd. So we'll give you an opportunity to win those coming up uh, in about 20 minutes. There was some new information, and, and I'm just going to nutshell it at this point. You probably heard it or read it. Uh, Mel Tucker had released a statement yesterday, and essentially he said not only was this relationship with Brenda Tracy, the sexual assault survivor and advocate, uh, consensual, they were both consenting adults, and he was surprised at how this played out. He also said that he thinks that because of this situation, there are ulterior motives that are being used to get him fired. I think he used the term Nassertaint as a way to justify his firing. Also talked about his race and his gender as possible motives. And so to me, it was kind of a it was kind of sounding the horn that Mel Tucker is not going to go away quietly. He obviously has rights within the law. And if MSU believes he violated his contract and they have the they reserve that right to to terminate his contract. And then he reserves the right to to do whatever is within the framework of the law after that. Lynn Henning wrote an interesting piece, though, in the Detroit News. MSU football can learn from past or repeat a squalid story of blunders. And he joins us. Lynn, it's great to talk with you. I I, I think outside from this situation, I, I, you know, from what I can tell from talking to lawyers, Title IX experts, the, the, the university actually did the right thing here. And Teresa Woodruff, the interim president, came out and said that they didn't know the details of this report until it came out on Sunday late or early Sunday morning. It, it, the, it, to me, it seems like the university did learn something from the past and they did do things correctly this time. How do they continue on this path then? Some of them knew and some of them didn't. And that's uh, another of the failings here, Chris, because the only reason that they made this public Sunday is because USA Today broke it. And uh, they can have their reasons that they want to stand on legally or even practically uh, for not having divulged this before. But uh, let's be upfront about this. Some of them knew. And uh, it doesn't change what uh, even has been admitted to. So we can let the lawyers hash out uh, how much of a settlement there's going to be here for Mel Tucker. But he is not going to be coaching that football team anymore. So for all intents and purposes, and I think that's the practical matter here, uh, the question is who's going to be coaching next? And I think we may have seen him today for this reason. I think it would be a mistake. Uh, to make uh, Harlan Burnett their permanent football coach. And you He's the interim. He's the interim right now. Correct. And and again, anyone can say, well, how can you make that assessment at this point? It, it's based really, Chris, uh, again, to be practical here, on the fact Harlan Burnett is 56. So even if you grant him uh, the possibility that he's going to come in here and wave a magic wand and, and really do a lot of wonderful things in the immediate next few years – Um, he is going to be facing that point where you get into the 60s and twilight descends. And so it's one of many reasons why I don't think Michigan State should do this. And as I wrote today, I've seen this play out over way too many decades where the warm and fuzzy choice gets appointed 
and and the better choice uh, is is missed. And then in three or four years, we're doing this all over again, which is really what I think will be the case if they make Harlan Barnett the head football coach. I think that's a very cruel assessment at this point, but I think it's absolutely on the money. I've seen this again occur way too many times, and uh, Michigan State simply has a soft spot here to make the weak decision. And I wouldn't be surprised we see that brewing already. Well, all right. So I I, I can understand that. I, I think that, you know, with still 10 games to play, a potential postseason game, you see what Harlan can do. I mean, these are incredibly difficult circumstances from an athletic perspective, from a player perspective that they have to deal with now because they're kind of at the center of this. And really, this game on on – on Saturday that you can hear on WJR that you'll be able to watch on Peacock. You know, the the lights are going to shine brightest because not only now are you facing a, a good Washington team, but now you're having, there's this controversy with your, with your head coach who's now suspended without pay. I think if Harlan Barnett is able to rally the troops and get this thing on the, on the right tracks going forward into the teeth of the season, you let it play out. But, but those are decisions later in the season or after the season. I, I almost wonder if they bucked that trend when they went and hired Mel Tucker, right? I don't know that that Mel or Mark Antonio's staff or anybody on that staff would have actually been considered, but they kind of went outside the family. He, he did spend a couple years here under Nick Saban, but for the most part, he was an outsider, and they 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 did go outside the family to get Mel Tucker in here. Wouldn't there be some sort of reason to believe that they could do that again? They could go outside and they should go outside. What they should do, Chris, is just be very, very open-minded about this Mm -hmm. and see what shakes out and who your candidates might be. Uh, You you could easily entice a guy like Jeff Hartline down at Ohio State, defensive coordinator, into saying exactly what Luke Fickle said about Wisconsin. This is a heck of a place waiting for me. And whether it's Jeff Hartline or how many other coaches across America, Michigan State would be very, very well served, in my view, to see who the candidates are that they can reasonably approach, uh, to talk with them, uh, to get a sense for what their recruiting definition is, for what their territorial expertise is all about in terms of past recruiting and so forth, and really make a brilliant hire here. That's always been within Michigan State's capacity. They have the resources. They have the status. But sometimes they're too close to see that, Chris, with any perspective. And so they make bad decisions on hires. And we go through this same routine every few years with them. And there's a reason for that, because they don't sufficiently look at Michigan State and what Michigan State could do. They get caught up in sentiment and provincial dispositions toward things. And I can almost see that happening right now, uh, even today. And I've, I've feared that, frankly, even before today's press conference. But I can see people already rallying around. There's nothing wrong with seeing this season through. I think anybody expects who expects this to be any kind of a stellar season is fooling themselves. Do you think that um, this situation? How does this? How does this situation play into? Not only the hiring of another coach, not only the search process of finding another coach, but finding a pool of candidates. How how does this play, do you think, with with potential candidates? It's real easy. No, because you go to the same consulting services that they've used before and that are available to all kinds of schools. They've got the homework done on candidate after candidate after candidate. But you avail yourself of those services. Then you get in 
the right collection of people for interviews, it's a pretty methodical and easy process that other schools certainly abide by. Michigan State's had its problems, but they, they did this when they hired Mark D'Antonio, who was a very, very good hire. Mm -hmm. And I think had Mel not messed up here in, in such tawdry ways, uh, he'd have been in for a good long ride here. I thought the 10-year contract was actually prudent mm -hmm. because he was going to recruit. He was going to get through these post-COVID years with a really good foundation there. His recruiting classes the last two years have been top 25. He was on his way and then messes up here clearly by way of, of his own mistakes. And so we get back to where's Michigan State on this. They don't have to make this parochial, political, sentimental decision. They can go big here, but they're going to have to decide that. And I don't know if there is anybody really assuming the kind of leadership up there where that uh, will end up being the final motion. Well, I, I think it's sure. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, I and, and, and I think it's a good point. I, I think that what we have seen from Michigan State, though, is obviously there are a lot of people hurting. There are a lot of people disappointed, but at the same time, donors are willing to step up. They've got the new football facility that bears Tom mm -hmm. Izzo's name. They are willing to play the big boy game. They're willing to to do what needs to be done to get to that elite level. And I, I think you're right. I think they can I think they can swing for the fences here. I think they can go big and try to find somebody that's going to put them on the right path. Uh Lynn Henning, always good to catch up with you. Hope you're doing well. Well, Chris, and thanks for the conversation. You Enjoy got it. it. We'll talk to you soon. That's Lynn Henning with the Detroit News. Got to take a break. More next.